following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. You're listening to a Tip of the Cap podcast brought to you by Stinger Sports. Stinger Sports makes high-quality gear for the player who expects more for their money. Visit them today at www.stingerwoodbats.com and use promo code TIP OF THE CAP, all one word, for 10% off your next order. Stinger Sports. Look great. Feel great. Play great. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Tip of the Cap podcast. I am Coach Jaws, and I am joined again, once again, uh, back-to-back interview episodes i should say because not quite back-to-back episodes back-to-back interview episodes with uh, i'm joined by connor priester again and we actually just before i clicked record here uh connor is actually going to be helping out on the podcast regularly and hosting episodes himself when time allows it and he can find a guest whoever he wants to bring on and uh so my new partner in tip of the cap connor (laughs) priester what's up buddy yeah, first, I just want to say I appreciate it. Appreciate you uh, extending the invite. Yeah, happy to get going. So, uh, you know, hoping to get a couple more uh, fun guests on here, people that are involved in the community one way or another that, uh, you know, really want to share their story or just market themselves a little bit better, kind of like how, you know, I, I did in the first one. So, um, I, by the way, I want to say thank you again, too. I mean, I got a lot of positive feedback, a lot of kind words from not only just uh, my family and friends, but also, um, you know, families and uh, parents. Uh, from kids that I either current or coach currently or coach in the past. So uh, it was definitely a blast first time. So right for round two. You know, it, it, it's interesting because one of the things I found through running the Twitter for this, the Facebook, there's an Instagram for it that I use more for uh, promoting athletes exclusively. I don't really do a whole lot of show promoting on there. Um, but it, one of the things I've noticed is things that I've learned from talking to people on this show I've seen other people start to do, and you know, the more people start to do it, it, it becomes a growing fad. One of those, um, if you guys follow tip of the cap on Twitter, you've seen me posting a lot today and recently about guys that I work with and guys that I coach doing things and trying to help them get recruited. We talked about it a lot last week, uh, last time we were on together. And it, it's one of those things that I'm so I'm now seeing not only, coaches and programs doing it, but players doing it for themselves more too, from specifically from certain programs. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's, it's, it's fun to see how this stuff grows because I, I mean, I learned from, I mean, probably about a year ago, I had an episode where somebody came on there like, yeah, as much as it means something for the coaches to tweet something, the program to tweet something, the kid sharing his own videos, just as helpful, if not more so, because then the coach can just say, Oh, I'm going to reach out to this kid directly or he lists his coaches and he can get all the contacts. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's funny that, that that's how we're going to start here too. Cause again, completely unscripted, but one of the things I did want to bring up is after we had our, our first discussion, I, I was scrolling through Twitter. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. And I'm telling you, it was just every single scroll that I did. It, it was either somebody liked it or it was like based on your likes. So yeah, there's the algorithm involved, but Every single, like every single scroll I had, it, there was, there was some new kid that was tweeting out video from the Western New York baseball area. And so I don't know if it's just recently started to take off because summer ball is in full swing now. Um, or if people are really, really starting to get on the trend of like, Hey, this is how we're going to have to market ourselves. Or we're, if we're not already getting looked at, or even if we already are getting looked at. Um, but yeah, it's the power of social media is crazy now. And it, it's, it's easily probably one of the best ways to get noticed, especially because every single coach is going to use social media. Um, you know, whether, whether you're using it, you know, on a day-to-day basis, if you're just going through scroll and looking at mentions, but yeah, it was just, it was crazy to see the amount of people that, that are actually posting videos now. And like, it is crazy, but it's not at the same time. Cause I just said like, it's super easy, but, but yeah, it was, it was super weird because we we're talking about how, how easy it is just to, just to post everything on Twitter or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's good to see. You know, I, uh, I get on the, uh, the couple guys that I work with privately, uh, cause I know, and, and this is the interesting part now I'm currently in the college ranks. And I work individually with some, with some athletes, you know, developing them as players and you're in the travel ball the summer travel ball world. So we're in kind of different, different spots, but also at the same time, we both work in player development and 
you know, I, I said that, the same thing today, yesterday, all week. I'm just like, wow, there are ev- like these aren't even like these aren't coaches. These aren't teams. These are these are kids. These are these kids posting themselves and just, hey, went two for, you know, two for three with two doubles and three RBIs yesterday and then tagging, you know, PBR, tagging Dansavit, tagging their team, tagging their high school and ha- tagging their high school coaches and their travel coaches individually. And then those guys share it. That's building a network. It's huge. I've, I've never seen that before. It's always been the program. It's always been a scouting service. It's always been a coach or a parent or something. And now like these kids are on it. And like I said, I harp on my guys all the time, dude. It like, if you're at a game, tell your, like, tell your parents to take video, tell your parents to pull their phone out. They can, you know, and listen, this is going to get a little off the cuff here. You can put the Yeti cool, the Yeti down with a Jack and Coke in it for five seconds and video your kids at bat. Give it five seconds. It'll be there. Yetis work fantastically. I have one I use for coffee. It keeps it hot all day. Whatever you got in there will be cool when you get back to it. I promise. Videotape your kid. Help him get recruited. I like the subtle plug you put in there for Yeti. <laughs> Try to get sponsorships, man. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I have, I have parents now that have actually showed up with um, the attachment on a tripod where you can connect your, where you can hook your phone up to it. Yep. Um, so, I, and I have a very, very good relationship with my parents. And also my, the parents that I have on my team this year are phenomenal. Um, amazing, amazing group of, of adults that have done an amazing job with their children as well. Um, so it's made my job a lot easier, but um, had the discussion with them too, where if they, if, if they, if their kid is serious about wanting to play at the next level, um, they're going to need to have some type of video because it's going to make that process so much easier. So, I mean, it's, you know, whether, whether our, our dugout is on the first or the third base side, I'm, I, I can always see whether it's over my shoulder, if, if, if we're on the third base side or if it's on the opposite field, there's every single time that someone steps to the plate, if they have a parent there, if they have a brother, anybody, there's always someone with a phone recording. Um, and, you know, I, I have, I have one parent in particular where I don't think he misses a single, a, a single pitch from his, from his kid's game. That's awesome. Um, it, yeah, it, it's awesome. And, and, you know, he's, he's a junior right now and he's, he's already getting looks at, at some, at some D3 schools right now, which is great for him. Uh, but it's definitely helped a lot in that process, especially uh, right now. He's, um, you know, probably projected to be maybe a two way, but right now his, his pitching has been unreal. Um, so he, he's and, and, you know, he, he isn't very well known. He's one of those kids that's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Um, so just to have that video available is big. And, and he went, he went on one visit, um, coach saw some of the videos and he's, I've been in contact with him and he's liking what he sees right now. So it's, um, the video it's important. It's extremely important. Absolutely. And, and like some simple tips for it is, you know, get, get as good of an angle as you can, you know, shooting from the kids like directly behind him is, is okay. It's better than no video. Like we're, but if you're staring at his number and he's hitting, you're probably not getting the a great angle to be seen. You know, take a walk, get behind the get behind the backstop for five seconds, walk to the other side and just shoot video where you can see the front of them so you can see the swing a little bit better. Try not to make college coaches look through fences. That's one of my big ones. That was one of the, uh, you know, just getting tips from college guys that I've talked to, stuff like that, college coaches that because I, I, I will pick anyone's brain that I can talk to. And we're like, yeah, like, listen, this is great, but like tell whoever's taking this video to walk up to the fence to take the video next time because you can't really see fine details through chain link because the camera's kind of focusing on the chain link and kind of focusing on the action behind it. So like try to look through the chain link or over the chain link, just simple little things that help that'll help. I mean, now, do we want to live in a world where there's 900 parents at every game with their cell phone over the top of the fence? No, but I mean, you know, maybe I, listen, I, I would put, if, if I was on a team that I planned on being on for a while, I mean, we used to share helmets. We used to share bats. I mean, the only thing we didn't share was cleats, cups, and gloves. I mean, pool your money together. Get, get one person to, you know, video the whole game. Set a tripod up, run it. Right. My, my, my favorite is the super genuine moment where if you get a mom or a dad that's, that's recording it at bat <laughs> and like the balls is drilled to like deep in the outfield and they're not even videotaping any part of the action. They're just watching their kid around the bases and you hear them cheering. Yeah. That's my, that, that's my personal favorite. I love that. Um, yeah, and it's like I'm not mad at the parents at all because I, I I I want them to live in the moment. But at the same, I, I get that we're saying that the video is important, but live in the moment because you don't know when, um, you know, your kid's gonna take his last swing, hit his last double, 
Um, with, with, which it's, is it's just such an honest, it's such an honest, genuine, great moment. Yeah, and it, it's funny because there's there are super super easy ways to ensure that you don't miss things while you're doing what you're doing. Um, I mean, I have actually, I have probably three different ways that I could hook my phone up somewhere at a ballpark right now. And I never do it like, cause I'm either, if I'm going to a ball diamond for video, I'm taking a video camera and a tripod or uh, like when I play, I'm not one of those guys. I'm too old for that crap, but right. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's so simple. I, and this is kind of a little side story. I played uh, a 35 and up game and Chris news played with us uh, under two catching he like videotapes himself to show an itch to show him doing different things, trying different styles of catching that are maybe a little bit different from what he did when he played. And cause it, he takes the approach of if I'm going to teach it or I'd be asked questions about it, I have to know what I'm talking about. He just puts his phone in his shoe. Like he just puts a shoe near the fence, puts his phone in hits record, and then just goes from there. It can be that easy. It's unique. And like he, and I've, I've seen the videos he does. He like has it, like a, a little system in it, like set up where he uses a shoe and just has it set up the right way where it's kind of snug, but not shutting off at the same time. And he just records what's going on and just, you know, from one knee down, one knee a certain way, like, yeah, just, you know, different glove techniques, stuff like that. And it's just, it's him making himself better as a catching instructor. Yeah. That's unique. That's yeah. And, anything and, to get the job done. Anything right. And, and that's done. the thing, just any way to get it done, any way to get, to get the material that you need or that you want in that case. Right. Right. So I, I do have to put out a little plug too, because last time that we were out um, and again, this might be a side tangent. Um, I said that last, last time we were on that we had, see, I believe we had, we had one, one of our three committed. So I, I got to just shout them. I know it comes, it goes at the end, but all three seniors now on the Academy star 17 team are now officially committed um, Two going to D three, one going to a Juco. Um, Zach Wisniewski is going to Hilbert. Um, Lucas Cornell committed to Houghton in the winter. Uh, that was the one we already knew prior. And Kyle Stefan now officially committed to Genesee Community College. So all three. So shout out to them. Um, that it, and that and is what we talked about last time. It's just it's it's just a pleasure to be on the ride and, and just to be able to, um, you know, it's just an honor to be able to work with those kids and see their goal and their dream pay off. Um, so it's not the end of the road for them. It's just, it's, I, I'm just extremely proud. I, I'd throw that out there. Well, no, uh, Wisniewski's from Lockport, right? Correct. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he, uh, pretty sure he got a tip of the cap player of the week award this year. If memory he serves. He did. He did. He had, he had a hell of a school ball season. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who does it, but you no, know, I don't have any problems with it. Cause you know, I, I wasn't either, but I think he was kind of a snub for all NFL this year but it's okay. Those, um, those meetings are always interesting. Right. Um, I was never at one of them, but I was always told about them. They always happen to land on days that I was at either had to work or uh, something to of the, those sorts. But it, there's, it's always interesting to hear just the, the conversation that happens like, you know, Hey, this kid hit this. Okay. Well, he was injured when he played me, so I can't vote for him because I didn't see him play stuff like that. You know, it's, it's always interesting to hear the, the back and forth conversation about, about it all. Yeah. It's ironic and also a little hypocritical of me to say too, because um, I, for those that don't know, I do work in sports information, athletic communications. Um, so I am involved in that voting process as well in, within our conference. Um, so it is, it's an extremely, extremely tough job because even though I'm not the one that has the final say in the vote, it's a, a lot of time you have to work collaboratively with each respective coach. Um, but it is, you know, he, anyway, it doesn't matter if he got it or not. Um, but he had a tremendous school season, um, and he is off to a red hot start in our summer ball season as well. He is, he, I, I see his name all over the place, all he's over the place. A mean stick. I mean, he's got, he's got authority to gap to gap. Um, you know, not, not, not ridiculous power, but enough to drive the ball out there. I mean, we were, we played a, played a game against Buffalo lead at Lawson park. Um, you know, the, the ballpark where it's like, a, it's like a 10 foot drop off in center field. Um, that's backed up against the woods and he, okay. Almost, so that would be lost in six if memory yes. serves. Yeah. And, and he, he almost put the one with the fence. The, yes. <laughs> it's like, you can barely, you can barely see the top of the fence when you're standing at home plate because there's that far of a drop off. Right. Um, and he almost put two out the straightaway center. He had tremendous at bats that day. Um, kick and fly around the bases gets great first reads in the outfield. 
Um, so he's going to be he's going to be a phenomenal asset for Hilbert. Which you love to hear that for the kid. You hate to hear that as a uh, you know crosstown rival, but that's uh, another another conversation for. Yeah, another so I, I had I had a little bit of, of, of mixed emotions um, working with um, working with Wiz and, and then the phenomenal staff that do have at Hilbert because you know I, as you know and others know I am a Medai alum. Um, and Hilbert, Hilbert was our rival. Those games got very chippy all four years that we played. So it wasn't, uh, you know, it's not, it's not that I still have bad blood with them after upon graduating, but it was, it was a little weird because it's like uh, those, those, that was the enemy. That was the enemy a couple of years ago, but no, anything, anything I would, I could do to get that kid to the next level. I mean, I was, I, I, I went all in on it. It's such an interesting thing to, to feel that change, you know, like, I, I mean, I grew up in the Lancaster Pew rivalry. You know, I was a Lancaster kid from seventh, sixth grade on and Lancaster football. And it was, it was Lancaster and Depew were hand in hand until that one week in the fall. And you hated those people. And now I'm, I'm marrying into a Depew family, like two Depew football player, players are going to be my brother-in-law Depew football, ex Depew football coach is going to be my father-in-law. Like this is a Depew family. And interest. <laughs> it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic at times, but you know, on top of the fact that they're a lacrosse family too, so that makes the whole baseball lacrosse thing even more interesting. That thing's died off now. That was a big thing a couple of years ago when I was still in high school. I think that's died off now. I, I think so too. Uh, we still like to bar back and forth, me and uh, me and her brothers. But you know, looking at looking at it as from a big picture and a more adult standpoint, you know, you you want to see people do good. You want to see people succeed. And like, I, listen, I don't care if you could be. You could go to the team that I hate the most. I don't care. I want to see you do well. You know, right. I, 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 I might hate everything about where you're playing, but I, I want to see you do well. And that's, and that's gotta be okay. You know, you do, you know, just because you're going to coach against somebody, listen, I'll shake your hand after the game. We'll talk about it. It'll be great. You know, that that's how it's always been. And that's how it should always be. You know, especially when you get past a certain age, you kind of look back and go rivalries are fun, but it doesn't mean I wish ill on people. Right. And, and the thing that I'm most excited about, too, with these three kids, and it doesn't take away from any of the other group that I have. It's just I'm highlighting these three because um, it's because it's a big deal. They committed to college and that's yeah. not everybody gets to say that. And, and it, it sounds extremely cliche, but these are three kids that I felt extremely comfortable with at least putting in recommendations for or, or talking to college coaches, because I know regardless of how talented they are. And I'll be completely honest, all three other kids that are more talented than them. Yes. Um, but all three of them, I don't think that you'll find anyone that will, that will work harder than them at their respective schools. Um, and that was something that, that made the process that much easier. Um, because you know, I've, I've had, I've had Luke and I've had Kyle for, you know, almost three years now. Um, and to see where their development started and where it's going to end come mid August of this summer, knowing that they're going to be going I feel extremely comfortable knowing that they're going to be going on to play college baseball where they are at the end of the summer, because it's, it's been incredible to see their development. Um, their work ethic is, you know, all three of them, it's second to none. It's funny because I'm talking about three of them, but they, <laughs> they, they, it's, they all, and it's, 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 it's a whole team. Again, we can use this word culture, um, but it's a whole team culture. It's like everybody on this team right now, they push each other to be better, not only as a baseball player, but as a person. And it's, it's, it's a really special thing to watch. Um, but those three, man, it's, I, I can't wait to follow them for the next, you know, and whether it's, you know, with, with Kyle going to a Juco, whether it's just only two years or with the other ones, whether it's four, that I can't wait to continue to see what they're going to do. You know, I, I, like you brought up culture and I know we kind of touched on it a little bit the last time you were on, um, you know, just uh, like being a hard worker. I think that's one of those catchy words, catchy phrases, just like culture that people love to use. You know, people love to say, Oh, the hardest worker in the room. Well, there can only be one. And when you have three guys pushing for it, and like when you have a whole team that's trying to be that guy, that's a big deal. And that's when you start talking about culture. Um, I, I I love to see guys like that. And you can usually tell who they really are versus who just, you know, gets that set about them because it's how do I fill, how do I fill space on a recruiting form? Like what when I'm when I'm evaluating a player, how do like he's a hard worker. Okay. That's on every, like if, if you're on field level, that is on every player evaluation ever. No coach goes out and says, Hey, he's kind of a lazy piece of garbage. That's not a thing. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's the guys that you can see that are separating themselves. Like, like you were talking about Wiz, who 
had a very underrated high school season, you know, had a really good season that didn't get a whole lot of like, maybe not the recognition it may have deserved. And now he's starting hot in the summer. He's, he's committed to a college. He's doing well. That's a hard worker. Correct. Um, And I, and I love seeing stuff like that. To build up, to build up the culture thing. I actually heard something from, um, head basketball coach at Penn State, Baron, uh, Dave Nyland, who shouts to him. He actually just got inducted into the Erie Metro Hall of Fame tonight. Uh, he was running a uh, – we run multiple basketball camps uh, for, like, the youth for summer programs. And he ended one day uh, – I, I might be butchering this. And I don't want to butcher it because I, I remembered it for a while because I, I wanted to stick with me. Um, I think he, he said culture, character, and competitiveness. You can't have the first one without having the last two. Say it one more time. Culture, character, and competitiveness. You cannot have the first one without having the last two. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I'm pretty, I, I think those were the three C's. I, I, I know it's how the slogan went. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal coach as well. I know it's different sports, but um, just one of those people, one of those coaches that really understands um, building the person side as well, instead of just the player side. Um, so, I mean, and, and I think that's also the part that, you know, especially being a young coach, I think that um, I don't, I'm not anybody in particular, but I think, I think a lot of, a lot of guys, my age, um, they get a little ignorant to the fact where, especially if you're in my shoes, you played four years, no matter where you are, if you, if, like if, you, if a lot of guys think if they played four years at a college, they think that that's all they need to know. Right. Um, I, whether it was Madai, whether it was here, I don't care if it's baseball or not. I like picking coaches brains is extremely fun for me. Uh, one of, one of my favorite shows and I'm rewatching it right now is last chance you mainly just because not, not, not the athlete side. And I don't know if you ever watched it, but it, I like, loved it. Just watching I, the coaches. I, I fell off when they went to the, the second school. Indy. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah. Like that, that dude rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I, I, I he just, a lot. That's why he, that's why he got canned. And honestly, I, I think if, you know, 15 years ago, um, and not that what he, what he says is right or wrong, but 15 years ago, he could have got by with saying the stuff that he did. And, I, and again, it's, um, it's, it, it, it's all about being able to adapt. And, and, and another quote I heard in last chance you the other day, it's like everybody, you know, everybody comes with tires, but you know, you have to replace your tires and you know, whether it's how often you do it or something like that. And it's like, you need to be able to adapt because like those tires are probably good 10 years ago, but they're not going to be good or the same. They're not going to react the same or perform the same 10 years later. Right. Um, so everybody has to change their tires. It all like depends on how frequent you have to do it. Um, but I, I each in, in terms of just the football side, um, not, I, I've watched like a couple of the basketball ones. Wasn't, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Yeah. Um, but, but the coaching side, it's like, you get, you get almost like each typical coach in each one that in each school they go to, like at EMCC, you're getting like, you know, the hard nose, like we're going to stick to everything technical side. Um, you know, but then he does care a little bit off the field, but then when you go to Indy, it's like, he's the real in your face type of guy where it's like, he's going to ask a lot out of you. He's kind of, he tries to be the player's coach a little bit too much. Um, but then I don't know if you, if you watched the last one at Laney community college, that one is it, again, I'm not, I'm not a football expert, but it seems as if he's, he's, he's not the greatest in terms of the football side, but that guy cares about you as a human being. And so if you put all three of those guys together, I mean, you got the ultimate package, but right. uh, again, I just went on a tangent, but I mean, it, it, it just all comes down to like, no matter how old you are, you need to be able to like understand that you need to learn constantly because if you're trying to get your guys to get 1% better every single day, you need to hold yourself to that same exact accountability. You know, I mean, I, I've, I spent years and it was one of the things that I attribute to me having success as a young coach was sitting there. And when I was running the new, uh, new era park to Pew location, cleaning up at the end of the night and watching Rick Lancelotti finish his last lesson. And then while I'm cleaning cages, like you just end up in a conversation with him somehow. And then next thing you know, two and a half hours later, I'm sitting there like a starry eyed kid on Christmas, hearing baseball stories and learning. And I'm like, can we do this again tomorrow? And right. we probably did it three times a week. And his wife, Debbie, bless her soul, was always like, I'd walk in the next day, like, sorry, that was my bad. I talked, I started, I talked baseball with him. <laughs> like, that was just what it was. But I mean, just the, the times that I would just walk up to that man and be like, hey, like, in, just in my own playing career in double A Mini, hey, man, I'm doing this. Like, what? All right, grab your bat, big guy. 
and like three pitches, three swings. And he'd be like, all right, you're doing this. Try this three more. He was like, all right, you're good. And then we talk about it. All right. Like, okay. So what, like, so I was doing this. What if I was doing this? Like, what if this was happening? What if that was happening? And just diving into it. And it's just like, just in mental notes, you know, going to coaching conferences, whether it's the ABCA or whatever that, uh, that one is the big one. That's every year that moves between like four different cities. Um, I think one's called like be the best or something like that. Like things that I've learned that I learned at the very first coaching conference I ever went to, I implement to this day when I'm working with pitchers because I went to all pitching once I was the pitching coach of the high school. All right, let's learn from some D one pitching coaches, tunneling pitches, how to make your curveball and your changeup look more like your fastball. So they're more effective. Like things that I, I learned that day. I, to this day still use. And then I come and I'm, I'm talking, I'm like, oh, you know, talking like, ah, this kid's really struggling with throwing a changeup. And like, I don't know what to tell him because I couldn't throw a changeup either. I just, I went to a split finger. Oh, and, and this is actually uh, Justin Santanacito. Oh, listen, dude, take your fastball, move it over a finger. What? <laughs> yeah. Take your fastball, move it over a finger, throw it and just throw it. Oh, oh, okay. Like that was seven years later. <laughs> like. I, I, I mean, teaching a changeup has become one of the easiest things for me to do. Like, and especially when you understand the science behind it, but how did I learn the science behind it? Not from talking to Bill Nye, the science guy, by talking to pitching coaches, by talking to guys who have taught it, seen it and done it at many different levels. It's, it's insane. And the, and the, the fact that there's people out there and, and we talked a little bit before about some of the, uh, some of the issues in youth baseball. I mean, how, how are you going to be an eight U coach thinking, you know, it all. Right. You're working. Oh, I think I'm losing you. If you're, if you're not, if you're not trying to learn it too with that same, with that same group, if you're not learning as much as they are, then there, there's obviously going to be an issue. So right. it, and it, it, it just comes down, it, it comes down to, it, it's like when I was, when I was at Medaya, when I was asked to basically play all over the diamond, it's like, you, you need to take pride in every single thing you do. Cause you never know when you're going to need it later. So if, if I was asked to step up into a catching role, my junior year, I needed to make sure that I was doing everything that I could to be the absolute best at that position. Not only on my team and the conference, but wherever I was, because I didn't know when I was going to need it later. I was constantly learning, constantly asking about how I can get better, constantly trying to figure out new ways to better myself at this position. But then also at the same time you catch, you need to understand basically you need to know just as much as the pitcher because you guys are, are a battery. So if it wasn't for catching, I wouldn't know a lick about pitching. But then, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't know a lick, but then also in the same sense, it's like if you're a hitter, you also need to know about pitching because if you're a smart hitter, you're going to need to understand how a pitcher is going to attack you. And especially once you get higher in levels, it's like it's not as much of like the common, you know, D3 or, you know, advanced high school approach of, hey, we're sitting outside fastball here, react to the off speed. Once you get to the MLB level, it's almost like a guessing game. You need to be sitting something in order to hit it. It's and it's a chess match. Yeah. Um, just, literally just the other night, um, great pitcher, old uh, amateur adult guy. He goes to tournaments. He has won at least two national championships with Diesel and AAA. Joe DeLeo. I faced him the other night, and the first time I faced him, he threw a curveball in the dirt and I swung over the top of it. First pitch was sitting fastball. Like, okay, okay. He's going to get ahead. He's going to try to get ahead. And he broke one off. I swung over the top and I'm like, okay, here comes another one because he thinks I'm going to chase again. And he pumped a fastball middle, middle on me. And I looked at my, I'm like, son of a pup. I was more mad at the fact that I got out thought in that at bat than the fact that I struck out. I was mad because I got beat mentally. And that's what you need to do. Like you need to be in that chess match. And it's one of my favorite parts of coaching. It's like, you know, be like, Oh, why do you call pitches for the high school? Because it's like playing a video game with real people. Like it's, it's awesome. I love that part. I I had, when I was catching, I had a guy and this is no disrespect to anybody else that I ever caught in my career. I had one pitcher in particular that I knew when he was on a, we were going to win and B I was going to have a hell of a time doing it because um, his name was Peter Grunswick. Um, we graduated the same year, 2019, but when I actually was, just, pay, I just faced Pete on Monday too. <laughs> did you? Yeah. And also I saw, I saw him play a couple weeks back. He's still nasty. He's still got it. Oh yeah. Um, so 
when he was on, it was, and, and I tell everybody this, it, it was like I was playing MLB the show and I was getting a perfect meter, a perfect pitch interface every single time. It was whatever I called, he would always agree. Or if he didn't, he would shake me off, obviously. But I knew ex- I, we were always on the same page. And we're at whatever it was called, he, it was there. If it was fastball that I wanted away, painted. It was a fastball inside with two seam running on, on a righty's hands, perfect. If it was a slider that we wanted to start on the black and break it off in an 0-2 count or 1-2 count, it was there every time. And it was, ironically, um, two of those games, they came against Penn State Barron. be a part of it. And there's, there's another game where he pitched against SUNY Poly in a doubleheader sweep. I think it was our junior year. And it was just, it was just the same thing. It was like, whatever I put down, it was there. No moving. There, there was like, didn't have to adjust to anything. It was just an easy day for me. And it was like playing a damn video game. It was, it's, it was awesome. Yeah. And I, it's, it's so much fun when you have a guy who can just do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And I mean, and, and even, even more so from a catching standpoint, but as a, as a pitcher, as a pitching coach, like it just, it's fun for everybody. And, you know, I, I liked being in essentially in the same mindset with my catchers. Like there were times, uh, the, one of my, actually my first two years calling pitches at Lancaster, Tyler Hoffines was my catcher and Tyler was an absolute dog behind the plate. This kid, if ball in the dirt, nobody out two on or nobody on two outs up by nine in the seventh inning, and he's blocking balls in the dirt because that's just what you do. Coach, I'm a catcher. I'm supposed to block the ball. Yes, Tyler, you're right. And there'd be times like I'm on my way to like sign something in and he's giving me the sign on his hip that I'm about to give him. And I'm just like, I just, yep, go, go, go. And it was so much fun. And we had a, gr- a great group of pitchers with him um, between Ryan Steckel, Joey Preziuso, and Teddy Wilson. Those dudes, I mean, for between two and four years between the three of them, just put the ball wherever, the, wherever he put the glove and, you know, was lucky enough to have a string of catchers after that, that I had a great relationship with. And it made it a lot of fun to do that stuff because after the inning, like he could like one of them go like coach can next time we get two strikes on somebody, can I call the pitch? Yeah, go ahead. Like, and just having a lot of fun with it. And in turn on days because of my work schedule that I couldn't be there. Oh, I, 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 what am I going to do about calling pitches? Let him do it. He's got it. Oh, okay. Hey, he did a great job. Yeah, because we talk after every single inning about what we're doing and why we're trying to do it that way. And, you know, there's times that he he would like that. They would look at me, tap their chest like I got something. Go ahead. You know, and it, it, it was an awesome, awesome thing to do. And he'd see yeah. these kids grow into that, too. And it was it was interesting this year with uh, having inexperienced catching at at the uh, at the college level this year and just. You know, it was essentially, you know, let let the pitcher call his game what he wants to throw. And then, you know, guy comes off like, hey, um, I know he's kind of in a groove of just throwing what you're putting down, but like, don't don't call a pitch two two that you're not willing to throw three two. simple things like that. Yep. And so last week, I forgot what game it was. We, we had a couple of games last week. They were all just kind of jumbled together. Um, but there was there was a moment where my catcher. My catcher, I think, bases loaded, and he hit a ball hard, but he hit it right to the second baseman. Kind of, kind of rolled over a little bit. He hit it hard. Um, ended the inning. And then we came back, and um, super, super interesting pitch sequence. And I, and I was watching my pitcher. He didn't shake off once. I think we were at the heart of the order. Started the first get off with the first pitch curveball. It was beautiful. First pitch called strike. Um, and I think there was two strikeouts that inning. And pitcher didn't shake off once. And I came back. I pulled the catcher off to the side. I was like, "Listen, you, you didn't." You didn't get it done with the bat the last inning. You hit the ball hard. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It happens. All right. But what you just did out there, I see working. Like you're you're working with our pitcher right now. You're understanding the situation. And personally, I don't I don't call pitches right now. And then I, I don't have problem with people who do, especially at, at the high school or the younger level. Um, but with me, excuse me, personally, I, I like to understand. It's especially for me because I was a hands-on learner. I didn't want someone really to hold my hand through it. I kind of wanted to go whether it was trial and error or, you know, do it myself until I was kind of told like, Hey, make an adjustment here. Uh, so that's kind of the approach that I go through with these kids. But it's like, listen, you, you are still making a positive impact on this team right now. I don't care if you just, if you just grind.
all right, but you were just reading that in, all right, because you better pitch calling. That wouldn't have happened if you weren't behind the plate. And it was it, every watching him also develop right now too. Um, you know, he's he's a very strong hitter, very strong defensively, um, but still he's he's young, but um, learning about more of the fundamentals and more of you know the advanced um, you know teachings of being a backstop. Um, but it's it, it's again, it's just it's it's a lot of fun to be a part of because you know our first game he was kind of just putting down all right first pitch fastball. First pitch or second pitch, fastball if it wasn't a strike. It's like oh two. That's the only time you call a curveball. I mean, like we'd have conversations about it. It's like, listen, you don't just have to throw a curveball two strikes. Like your our pitchers out here are probably seeing your signs, and it's like, all right, they're just saying yeah because they don't want to say no. Right. So it was again, it was a learning moment for everybody. But you know, last week we we, had, we did a much better job at it, and every everything's a learning moment. It's all about it's all about developing, getting more experience. Let's say we uh, for the actually for my entire tenure at Lancaster, we used the second half of the first week to do like live scrimmaging, live hitting, stuff like that. And part of my tryout for my catchers was I'm going to let you call it unless I want to see something. So like, if I want to see a pitcher's curveball, if I want to see his change up to see what it does or to get, just to get you know a number on it, I'm going to let you call it otherwise. And the, the, the thing that always drove me nuts was what do I see? Fastball away, fastball away, fastball away, fastball away, fastball. Away. Hey man, uh, you know, he's got two other pitches, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, he just gave up three doubles. Maybe, <laughs> maybe try something different. Oh, Hey, uh, I mean, you could even just call it inside. Well, you know, but, but, but guys crush the ball inside. He throws 85 high school guys. Don't crush 85 inside. Trust me. <laughs> Not even close. Good. Now you understand. And it was part of the learning curve. A, it was, I want to see where your head's at when you're calling pitches because I'm a big proponent of dominate the inside of the plate. If you, if you throw hard enough, if you are a, an upper velo guy for your age or your, whatever level you're playing at, you have to own the inside of the plate. If you don't, you're going to be in trouble and getting young catchers to learn that is honestly, I, I, I believe is an, an underdeveloped mental skill. Again, part of that is the part of that's the velocity they're dealing with too, but that's yeah, another it, story it, for another day. It, 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 you just pumping, they're just repeating fastball away, fastball away, fastball away. It, it made me think too. It's, it's, I don't even know how to word it because it, it was something that was, that was almost like a kind of a culture shock to me of, of understanding there was different ways to hit certain pitches when I got to college and it's not being taught enough before kids get to that level. Mm-hmm. And it's how to hit the ball the opposite way and how to hit pitches where they're pitched. And we played a team last week where if, if we could have spotted up a couple of times, we had a really bad pitching day and it happens because our pitching has been outstanding to start the season. But um, if we, if we were able to hit the outside corner, when we wanted to hit the outside corner, we probably wouldn't have given up a single run because I'm like these kids, every single. One of them had the same swing. It was just every single time, just hips, extremely rotation. And, like they, they, the team that we played, they had some kids that could swing it. And if you, if you taught them to keep their hands inside the ball and just wait a hair longer and take that ball the opposite way, they would have been absolutely money. I mean, they still, they still beat us. Um, but man, I, I, it's cause it's, it's something like for me, I didn't even understand that was a thing until I got to college. And again, me in high school, I was five foot eight, 120 pounds soaking wet. I'm not a guy that should be going up there trying to pull everything. Um, because I'm not going to really get away with that. And balls in the outer half and I'm trying to pull or just little duck farts towards the shortstop. Um, and that was, it was my moneymaker in college. I mean, I, I had over a hundred hits and I probably had 10 extra base hits my entire career. I just hit singles through the right side. It's all I did. Right. And, um, I actually, uh, ran into a former player that we actually played against the other day. Um, and spoke with his dad afterwards. His dad is an amazing guy. His kid is just as great. Um, and I, I remember having a talk with him. It was my first year at Academy and I was an assistant at the time. And it was just kind of under, it was, it was a talk about, that I had with a lot of the kids, it was understanding who you were as a hitter. And at the time, I mean, he, he still is kind of, you know, the same, same frame. He's a little bit bigger now, a little bit stronger, but still, he's not a guy that should be pulling everything. I was like, listen, you don't understand who you are as a hitter. Um, you're not a guy that should be able to go up there. Or that's going to go up there and be able to swing for the fences every time. All right. He had good, he had good, good, uh, good barrel control, good hands. Didn't have the fastest bat speed, but um, you know, was able to barrel a ball up whenever it seemed like he wanted to, but then he would get extremely pull happy. I was like, your money, just like I, how I said, his moneymaker is going to be up the middle to the right side. And uh, his, his dad was talking to me about it um, after the game. 
And he was like, ever since you had that talk and it really kind of resonated with him a little bit. And, and he kind of stuck with that approach after that year. And ever since then, he's, he's been, he's, you know, he kind of understood that he's not going to be a guy that's going to be going out there hitting home runs. That could be a guy that's going to live by extra bases. He just needs to get on base because he's at the top of the order and the guys behind him drive him in. And ever since then, he's just been a much different hitter. And he was actually um, a first team all NFL selection this year. Um, he had an unbelievable season, another Lockport kid. Um, and he's phenomenal defender as well. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was just knowing that, you know, there are kids like me who, you know, singles aren't <laughs> sexy, but they get the job done. Um, and, it, it, and it's everybody. There's no hitter that is the same. Um, and I think that's, that's an important thing that again, is not, it's just not being, um, it's not being talked about enough. It's not being preached enough at the younger level. You know, in very few guys get away with an entire career of stand on the plate and pull everything. And it's actually funny. One of some of my best years as a hitter, uh, one of my best friends hit in front of me, he, and he was just that dead pull guy. It didn't matter what you threw, where you threw it. He was trying to pull it and he was trying to, and he, he could put it over the left field fence on any given swing. And you'd see somebody pump up a fastball and he would torch it down the left field line. I'd come up behind him. They'd be like, Oh, I ain't going to do that again. And they throw me away. And my power alley has always been right center. Some of the furthest balls I've ever hit have been, have been to right center as, as a right-handed hitter. And it just fed into my swing more when they were afraid of him, which was really funny, but you know, understanding who you are. I mean, it's something that I have every intention on kind of instilling this year, you know, with, with my guys is going to be, you know, there's going to be, you're going to, you're going to be one of four type of guys and what your job is, is going to be defined by who you are. You know, if you're not a power guy, I don't want you swinging for the fences, but if you're, you know, if you can go gap to gap and stretch me doubles, take it, give me a double every time, you know, that type of thing. And just understanding who you are and, a lot of it's being, I'm, I'm stealing it. I'm flat out stealing the philosophy from somebody else who's led some of the best uh, collegiate offenses in the country for years. And I have no problem saying that because if it works, it's, I'm going to find a way to make it work. And, you know, it's it just, if you don't understand and you don't buy in, it's not going to work. And that's, that's instilling that culture again, understanding your job, understanding your role and understanding who you are. Like you said, singles aren't sexy, but someone's got to hit them. Exactly. And, and it's like, you look around and like, yeah, there's guys that, that can, that are strictly pull hitters, but you know what, those guys are getting paid, you know, $300 million contracts, like guys like John Carlos Stan, who's, who sit directly on top of the plate and they're able to hit the ball 500 feet. Right. Um, and, and it's like, what I tell people too, is I, I knew who I was as a hitter to the point where I can't remember all the hits that I had to the right side, but I can remember clearly three hits that I had to the pull side in my, in my, in my collegiate career, my first career hit my last career hit, and a double that hit off of some kid that got drafted out of Houghton. I forgot his name. I think it was like Vinny something. <laughs> but those are like the three balls I know for a fact that I pulled because my first career hit was a single through the hole on the left side. Last career hit was the same exact – was like literally the same exact trajectory, same exact line drive. It was like a one-hopper that hit like the back of the infield grat or infield dirt. And then the, the double was just an off-speed pitch on the inner half uh, that was breaking in on me because it was a lefty that I got my hands and I just ripped it on the, left, on the third base. I really didn't even hit it hard. It was turf, so I'm just going to blame it on that. Um, blame on listen man <laughs> i uh according to the according to the scorebook i scored scored from first on on tuesday so there you go the fact that it was a, the fact that somebody else ran for me doesn't doesn't mean the book says i scored from first uh, I see what you did there <laughs> but yeah and it's like it, it's it's everybody just needs to understand who they are as a hitter and and once you understand that hitting is simple everything just gets easier um yeah. and, and a, a lot of times that it's it's like coaches say, Hey, go up there and just swing it. See, it's like, and everyone wants to talk about approach too. I, and again, it's funny because um, I use that a lot, but I think a lot of the times coaches that, that will say, Hey, have an approach here. They don't, they don't necessarily know what their approach is. I mean, you, you can say have an approach, but if you didn't, if you haven't taught what approach to have in what situation, or like even between innings, like, Hey, you know, this is what this guy is doing. This is what, like, this is the situation. Understand, like, listen, he gets one strike on you. You are seeing soft in a way the whole way. So have an approach as opposed to walking up and just, Hey, have an approach. If you haven't taught it and you haven't talked about it, you're putting it up to the kid to have an approach. And what are most kids approach? I'm going to look for the pitch that I want to hit that I hit well. That's an approach, I guess. Is it a good approach all the time? Not necessarily. 
especially especially when you're getting when you're getting and, and don't get me wrong i'm not saying the umpires are bad but when you're getting umpires that that are working 17 18 year old baseball um in the dog days of july and august they're not always going to be perfect mlb strike zone umpires so again i mean listen really we we both know and this is no knock on western new york umpires or any other umpire association we all know darn well that there are guys that aren't aren't rated to do any higher than modified baseball that are doing 18 U summer ball because they just need to, they need bodies. So it's right. not a knock. It's just sometimes people that are not used to the level are doing the level that they're doing. Right. So when, when you instill that approach of being extremely picky from pitch number one, I think that's when you're already getting in trouble. So basically I, that, and I have no problem saying it right now, if anybody wants to listen back and try and get a scouting report and let's go for it. I, I, I does not bother me. But it's like we use the old school approach of like the first good hittable fastball we see, we're, we're ripping at it. Right. And, and like, and, you know, and everyone kind of talks about in this day of working, working starters getting their pitch count up. But at the same time, it's, it's like, it's, it's summer travel baseball. So that's where kind of my approach changes a little bit. We're not trying to work, work counts. We're trying to just put bad on ball here. Yeah. Um, you're, you're trying to, I mean, if you have 800 walks in a summer, you know, who cares? no one correct like there's there's no summer ball record books there's no summer ball hall of fame there's no you know if like working count like that that's a that's a game management thing that's uh we're we're trying to we're not gonna we're not gonna hang somebody's jersey up at at, uh the academy facility at the mckinley mall right not we're not gonna be doing that so it's we go up there looking for the first hittable fastball i don't care if it's the first pitch of the at-bat i don't care if it's the last pitch of the at-bat we go up there looking for the first hittable fastball and we're gonna be swinging at it And, and if two strikes i mean I, I, you'll hear me saying it at the games, approach doesn't change, approach don't change. And it's, and, but at two strikes, obviously it does somewhat, you got to at least protect the zone and stuff like that. I get that. But, um, and it, it, a lot of, for the most part, our hitters have taken a lot of, a lot of pride in that. Um, and that's something that I'm extremely proud of too, because it's, it's just being able to watch, you know, it, it's not, it's not always from A to B. There's always, you know, a couple of stepping stones in between, but seeing the development of that um, and especially the younger guys of, you know, when I introduced it in the winter, it's like they look at me with with like like I have 18 eyeballs. Like, what the hell are you talking about? An approach. It's like we just go up there and swing. <laughs> and I even asked a couple of them. It's like, hey, is any any coach ever talk about? And they literally will say, no, we just go up there and swing the bat. And I'm like, at this point, it's like you're you're fighting with fire because you 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 don't have a game plan. Right. So. You know, and and a lot of that too. I mean, you're you mentioned umpiring. I mean, your your approach can change because of what the umpire is calling. You know, swings, pitches with two, especially two, you know, two strikes. Nothing drives me nuts more than a guy who goes up and watched four of his teammates get rung up on a low outside pitch that very blatantly is not a strike, but it is today. And he watches it. That's not a strike. It's been a strike all day, dude. What are you looking at? Like, how, like, how do you not know that? That is, that is an approach thing that you have to be ready to fight that because you know, with two strikes, that's where he's going because he's getting it and he'd be stupid not to. And like, I, I think those are some of the things that are <clears throat> kind of lost. Like you hear guys talk about, like we're programming players. They're not, you know, they're not so much athletes as they are computer programs these days and stuff like that. I, I think that's part of what's being lost a little bit in some of that is understanding the game, understanding the flow and understanding the um, just the approach to, to what you should, what you should be doing inning to inning, pitch to pitch at bat to at bat, whatever it may be. Yeah, and, and I think for the most part, our, our our team is very locked in in terms of, um, you know, and, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but also with my assistant coach, we've done a very good job of under of preaching that, you know, you're not going to have necessarily the the same exact attack on everything for a full seven innings. You're going to have to change kind of how you go about things. Um, and you know, this past week, despite you know we went over three, but we played all three games tight. Um, and we made very good inning to inning adjustments um, and just being able to feel confident in, you know, all 12 guys that we got is remarkable because I don't, I don't think, you know, and this isn't, again, I, I keep saying, it, I don't think it's a knock on anybody, but I don't think a lot of coaches always feel confident. The way I look at it is if, if I'm not, if I'm not putting confidence in a kid, if I'm not confident a kid's going to go out there and do his best, or at least, you know, get, or maybe even get a result, 
then that kid's never going to have confidence in himself. Right. Um, and so it, it, it's just big. And, and then it goes, it goes hand in hand with, with execution it goes hand in hand with having an approach because um, you know, you got to buy in on the kid for the kid to buy in on your system. Yeah. And, and all it takes is one coach to do it. You know, there's how there, there, there are kids all the time that bounce around, bounce around like, well, that kid's not very good. He's not very good. And then he plays for one guy who believes in him. And all of a sudden he's like, Hey, that kid can play a little bit. And I don't know, man, I've, I've always been a big proponent of believing on the guys that were in the same uniform as you, because I mean, for no other reason, you don't have a choice. I've had, I've had, and I, I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to say ignorant, but it's, it's like, I've had multiple, I'm not just talking like one or two. I've, I've, I've had multiple parents, um, come up to me, whether it was on our first road trip when we were here in Erie, not really a road trip for me, but, um, you know, our first out of town tournament. So when they were in hotels and you were in your apartment, I was, yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> um, whether it was after the games when we went out to dinner with everybody, which was phenomenal, by the way, um, it, whether it was that or just phone calls and it's, it's the parents and they're all saying the same thing. And, and like, it, 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 it He verbal pat on the butt, knowing I'm doing a good job. Not that I necessarily need it, but it's like our, and it's all like them saying like our kid was never given really a real chance that, or any coach that actually believed in him or um, anybody that worked with them so closely or really taken, taken a great deal of interest in his development um, and to see what it's like to, for him to play and see what he's doing under, you know, coaches who believe in him and to see how good he's doing right now. It, it's really just, it makes a world of difference. And it's like, I, I, I get it. Not everybody is the same, but everybody should have the same goal in mind. And that's your biggest interest should be in the kid. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of talent, if he's on your team, he no, there should not be one kid that's prioritized higher. Every kid needs to be your top priority. I agree. Uh, and listen, are some of those kids that I mentioned, are, are, are they the most talented? No, but they're good kids. They work their tails off and they're on this team for a reason. They deserve to be here and they deserve 110% for me. Um, you know, they're all performing at a high level right now. Um, you know, maybe not the, the best that they could be, um, but they're definitely doing better from what I've heard in the past. Um, they feel much more comfortable um, competing in this environment. Um, and it, it's, Again, it's just something that I, I feel so special to be a part of is that, you know, not only are their parents happy, but the kids are happy and they're more comfortable competing in this environment. I mean, you know, and, and that environment is, is huge, you know, and, give, and bringing them to that levels is huge too. Um, you know, it, it I mean, the, the, this is another whole, whole ass can of worms that we, I mean, from everything you said, from the, you know, like you said, oh, you know, the, the kind of verbal pat on the ass about, you know, good game coach kind of thing. Don't need it. It's really nice to get, though. And right. everything to, you know, make, making the kid feel comfortable in the environment, all of it. I mean, this, this is a whole nother episode we could break into. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have time. So, um, I mean, I, I think that's a great spot to wrap, to be honest with you. Um, just that whole thing is, is just a fantastic, fantastic spot to, you know, to wrap up because that's that's huge. And I think you you know, finding a, finding a team, finding a coach, finding a program that makes you feel that way. And it doesn't matter if it's travel, it doesn't matter, you know, hopefully your high school, if you, you know, a lot of guys, most guys don't have a choice unless you're saying, I'm going to go to a private school as opposed to public school. You know, hopefully your high school program is like that. And especially when you get to college, you know, find a spot that you're going to fit, find a place that you're wanted and find a place that is going to, you know, an environment that's going to foster you as a player and as a person. Yeah. And it's I, the biggest, the biggest obviously is, is the coach, the coaching staff and, and the people that are involved in that organization. And um, you know, Academy does a good job of, of getting good kids working with the parents. And then um, the coaching staff within the organization too is phenomenal. We got a, so many good guys that are involved in this organization from um, different experiences of, you know, the walk of life, we can say, um, you know, all the way from, from the bottom, I believe I should know, I believe our lowest team might be eight, U, nine, U, and then all the way up to the showcase with Justin. Um, but and it's, it's just the team that I have right now again. And it's like, I can't, I can't say any more good things about them. It's like, it's, it's just so fun to be a part of it. I've, I've had, I've had, a, you know, a couple years into my very young coaching career, but it's like, I've never, 
um, felt this way about a group of guys before. And it's just, it makes showing up, um, you know, no matter how long the drive is, it makes it worth it. And it's, it's a special feeling, isn't it? It's dude. It's, it's, I'm not necessarily getting emotional about it, but it's like, it, it's just, it, I, I, it, I'm lost for words in terms of how to describe it because it's, Oh no, it, you, it's, it's absolutely an emotion. It is. It's, and like I, it's win, lose or draw. Um, and especially last week we had a, we had a tough week. We had a tough week last week. The boys battled hard, but it's, um, you know, we're playing really good teams and it's, it's not an excuse. We're young, but we can compete with these kids. We can compete with these, with, you know, a lot of these guys who are either already in college or are going to college. Um, to play baseball as well. And we only have three of those right now. And a lot of, a lot of the guys on the team are sophomores going on junior. So we knew it was going to be an uphill battle, but to see, to see how much pride they take and everything that they do on the diamond, you know, every single pitch, they don't take one off. Um, you know, we get a little lax of days, get a little complacent sometimes, but um, you know, to see the fight, the heart and just the hustle they have is, is just, it's an amazing job and just an amazing group of guys to be a part of. You know, I, I understand it by the very, very first, well, really the second team I had uh, when I coached in the summer, I took them from, I stayed back at 12U for a year. And I took that team from 12U to 15U. And to this day, like I still, you know, have conversations with the, with these guys. I just saw Ryan Bonafidi a week ago. Uh, he actually released a glove for me. Um, just, you know, you see these guys like every now and again, you know, it, it was, it was the boys from Mash Nation. That's what we were. We, we swung the bats, we hit the ball hard and we played damn good defense and pitched really well. That team went to 18 new tournaments and won by the time they were done because they believed that nobody could beat them. And if you did, you got lucky because you didn't deserve it. And that's just the attitude they carried. And I, that team will always have a special place in my heart. And every kid that played al- along the way, whether you were, you know, one year, that 12U, 13U year, it went back to Canada to play wherever, whatever it was. Or if you were a guy that, you know, made it from 12 all the way to 15 with us, uh, every single kid on that roster, you know, ha- has some spot in my heart and I always will. And it sounds like you're kind of building that the same way with this team. Well, yeah, before I continue, was, did Bonafidi go to Hilbert? Yes. Yeah, he was, he was a hell of a ball player I played against him. Yeah, uh, Bono probably should, or I, I, I will not say should have. He could have very easily gone to somewhere bigger. Uh, to tell you the type of person he is, he st- his dad had really bad MS. And he stayed home and went to Hilbert to help take care of him. That's phenomenal. Yeah, he, he was. I remember him being a hell of a guy, but I also remember him being a hell of a ball player too. Yeah, he so. uh, catcher, outfield, first base. He could do it all. Anything he asked him to. Uh, fun little, fun little story. And this is the absolute spot where we have to wrap because we're. we're right at the hour mark here, I think. That's the tough part about Zoom is it doesn't tell me how long we've been recording for. But right. um, when Bono, when I first met Bono, he was 15, coming to a 15-year trial for that team. I, I had one catcher. I needed another one. And he, I, I looked at, at my boss. I was like, listen, if this kid can handle a bat, knows what hand the glove goes on and ties his shoes, I'm taking him because I need another catcher. And I got lucky that it was Ryan Bonafidi that walked in the door. And I knew... I, I played catch with him, hit him some ground balls, watched him throw across the diamond, um, had another kid catch some throwdowns from him, knew from the from that point I was taking him, at least defensively as a catcher. Then I saw him hit a few, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have a little fun. I'm going to see what kind of kid he is. And I had him pull his helmet down over his eyes. I handed him a wiffle ball stick, or not a wiffle ball, like a stick ball stick, and I was tossing little foam golf balls at him. I was like, oh, I'm just going to test your baseball instinct. I want to see if you can hit him. And I go, this is, it's kind of a big one. Like, this is something that my guys excel at everyone that's on this team, like really, really did well with the tryouts. And this is something I do with all my guys. And he's sw- swinging out of his shoes, missed by a mile. And I'm, I looked at him, I walked up, I lifted his arm. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. And he just like, his heart just dropped. And I was like, bro, you made this team like 20 minutes ago. I'm just having fun with you at this point. And he's like, oh my God, I was so scared. I, I would adopt this kid if I could. At this, He's in his twenties. He's, you know. I had 24, 25, something like that, maybe even a little bit older. And I would adopt him today if I could. I love this kid so damn much because he's just that good of a person and a hell of a ball player to boot. Yeah, he he, he was playing first base primarily when I played him at Hilbert Primer. He was he he swung a good stick. Oh yeah. He he, he could good. hit he could hit the ball. Like I said, he could track it in uh track it in the outfield. What the first time we beat Clarence when I was at Lancaster, he was in right field and we got a, a fly out, throw out on a tag out, just hit his glove and it came out on a, on a line as hard as it could. And he threw the kid out by two steps on a tag 
coming from left or right field. It was great. And he was primary. He was a catcher for us, but he wasn't catching because Hoffines was there. And we were like, great. Awesome. Anything you asked him to do, he'd run for a wall. He'd run through a wall for you just because you asked him to just because he thought you might ask him to. He was that kind of kid. Those are the best kids. Absolutely. So, uh, well, Mr. Uh, co-host coach Priester over here. Thanks for joining me a little late night style, my man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Looking to uh, looking forward to getting this uh, show uh, back on the road. Yeah, and the uh, be nice to have the help. And said, uh, happy to have you part of the team. And that being said, Tip of the Cap podcast is part of the BICBP Radio Network. www.bicbp-radio.com. Like, follow, share, subscribe. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Toct Pod, Tip of the Cap Pod, stuff like that. Just type in Tip of the Cap Podcast. It shows up. I promise. I uh, designed it that way. And with all that being said, um. I guess we'll catch you guys next time. The weather is changing and the sun is shining, which means summer party season is here. And Buffalo Freddy Party Rental has everything you need to get your party started. From tents, tables, and chairs to inflatable bounce houses, water slides, and obstacle courses, Buffalo Freddy has everything you need to take your summer shindig to the next level. Not sure what to serve at your event? Buffalo Freddy does barbecue catering as well. For more details or to make reservations, head over to buffalofreddy.com or give them a call at 716-437-3339. That's 716-4-FREDDY. Buffalo Freddy is a proud sponsor of this podcast.